Welcome to Rod Gilbert's Bulging Barrel of Laps with your host, Rod Gilbert! Good evening and welcome! Welcome to Rod Gilbert's Bulging Barrel of Laughs, the show that's as entertaining as watching a man in a kilt trying to hold down a job as a pogo stick demonstrator. <laughs> Tonight's show is packed with more laughter and joy than Piers Morgan's funeral. (laughs) Just in case Piers Morgan dies between now and the show going out on air and that joke is deemed insensitive, tonight's show is packed with more laughter and joy than Simon Cowell's funeral. (laughs) Come on, what are the chances of them both popping their clogs this week? (laughs) Three to one. William Hill. (laughs) Tonight we'll be having a moan in Rod's Rant Club where we let off more steam than a Glaswegian kettle with anger management problems. We'll be pondering life's important ethical dilemmas, like would you steal somebody's skateboard for a go on their bike? And we'll be discussing all sorts of fascinating things in Rod's Believe It or Not, where I will amaze and astound you with a fact so gobsmacking that will leave you as confused as a hippo who's just been informed that he's going to receive a repeat fee for an appearance on Life on Earth. (laughs) We'll also have stand-up from country and music legend Wilson Dixon. We'll have live music from Scouting for Girls, including their latest single, All That, and lots, lots more. As you can tell, my barrel is almost bursting, and I need my friends to give me a hand with it at the earliest opportunity. So please welcome to the show. Please welcome from the in-betweeners and we are Clang. He might not be as handsome as a hippo, but I challenge you to tell him apart by smelling his breath. Don't be like that. <laughs> yeah. Banter boys, hear that? <laughs> it's my friend Greg Davis. And direct from the most disgusting bedroom in my flat. A Welsh comedian who has the brain of a hare but the diction of a tortoise. It's my flatmate, Lloyd Langford. Hello, Lloyd. Hello. Uh, I sound like this all the time. Yeah, it's not a joke. Yeah. But a lot of people, when they first hear Lloyd, they do think he's putting it on. This isn't some sort of wacky character. It's an affliction. In a few minutes, I'll unveil my barrel of laughs. But before I do, they're playing for us live in the studio. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Scouting for Girls! Thank you. Wonderful. Now, how are you doing? Who have you, uh, can you, do you want to introduce the, the band? This is Roy. Hello, I'm Roy. I sing. Play the piano. Uh, my uh, lifelong school friend uh, Greg uh, on the bass guitar. Uh, and uh, a friend from Cub Scouts, Pete on the shakers and the box thing. Because it said on your thingy list, you know, that you were on percussion. Yeah. And uh, I thought basically you sat on a box with a bag of balls. <laughs> what is that thing you were playing? I have no idea. <laughs> But what was that bag of balls you were smashing on your leg instead of a drum kit? It's called the Love X. Is it? I'm I'm thinking you're not a percussion specialist. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And who else have we got with you, Roy? And on guitar, the wonderful Jamie O'Gorman. He's actually the professional. Yeah, he's not in your band, is he? What kind of? Don't say that in front of him. (laughs) Sitting right here. No, I thought. I don't mean. I don't mean it like that. I don't mean, hey, you, you don't belong here, get out. 
I meant he's a guest tonight, isn't he? He is a guest tonight. Yeah. It's someone we pay to make us look good. Ah. Sound good, as it's radio. Yeah. Yeah. And look good. Yeah, well, I know that feeling. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to welcome my bulging barrel of laughs. In the barrel, we've put all sorts of fun and games, and during the course of the show, I will call upon Lloyd to reach as far into my barrel as he physically can and tell us what's coming next. Mr Lloyd Langford, I'm going to ask you if you would mind uh, leaning into the barrel, reaching in and picking out a game for us to play, please. OK. For those of you listening at home, Lloyd is actually leaning into the barrel, <laughs> pulling out a piece of card. <laughs> what does it say on that, Lloyd? Read it out. It's the number seven. It's a, it's a continental seven. It is a continental seven, which tells me that our first game is confessions, Lloyd. Confessions, everybody! <laughs> With the zeitgeist for television shows that humiliate and exploit idiots, I thought we'd do exactly the same on radio. We want you, the audience, to tell us your most embarrassing secrets. Tonight, the focus of our blushes is school days. We've been collecting confessions from the audience on the way in and on Facebook, the BBC comedy website, and this is what we have. So, what embarrassing thing did you do when you were at school? Let's have a look. It says here... I got a detention for not doing my homework and going to a Paul McCartney gig. So embarrassing, Paul McCartney isn't cool anymore. <laughs> and Dan in Clapham. I cut the top off my finger. This is better. What a bit of mutilation. Well done. Cut the top off my finger while stuffing a toy elephant I had made. <laughs> it still resides inside the elephant. I had to see the school nurse. The elephant was fine. There's <laughs> some Gareth in Surrey. Where's Gareth from Surrey? Are you out there? Oh, there you are. There he is. Hello, Holding Gareth. Holding up four fingers and a stump. <laughs> let's have a look at your fingers, then. I mean... The only, only the top of it. Well, let's have a look, if it's just the top of your finger missing. Can you have a look? This oh. is great radio. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to see it. I don't care about people at home. Let's have a look at your, let's have a look at your stump. Is that it? You can't just hold one up. Let's see the other four for comparison. <laughs> They're all the same. How did it get chopped off inside the elephant? Uh, with a pair of scissors whilst I was talking to my school friend. And he pointed out that there was blood pulsing out there from my finger. He pointed that out to you. <laughs> Why were you putting stuff inside the elephant? Nobody wants a floppy elephant. <laughs> Nick from Maidenhead. I wore white jeans tucked into cowboy boots to impress a girl. Have you ever done that, Lloyd? Not Lloyd, Greg. I wore some white gloves once so I would look like the lead singer of Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Do you? Yeah. What's his name? Um, Holly Johnson. That's him? Yeah. Did he really? Yeah, he used to be my hero. Did, Did you he? end up looking like a dentist? <laughs> a, a really rat. sweaty dentist. <laughs> Shall I tell you mine? Go on, then. I, when I was... I can't remember how old I was, I drew a moustache on <laughs> to look older. What with? Well, I'd grown a little bit of moustache and then I sort of fleshed it out with eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> and I also, more embarrassingly, cut some hair off my head and other parts of my body and stuck it under my arms. <laughs> oh. Quite sweet, isn't it? That breaks my heart, actually. Yeah, quite sweet. I, I literally right. went out to, to play games with glued on hair under my armpits. Oh, my God, it's tragic. I know. Did you stick it on anywhere else? <laughs> no, I cut it from other places. It's ironic now, because you have to shave yourself down every night, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, 
What did you do, Greg, that was embarrassing in school? I'm glad I get the chance to say this on the radio, because the most embarrassing thing I can think of, my mother forced me to do. Not, I'm you, a... not you as well. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote to Jim Will Fix It. Who else wrote to Jim Will Fix It here? Yeah. One woman. Oh, brilliant. hang on a minute. I didn't realise we were allowed to garner support from the crowd. Who else stuck here under their armpits? <laughs> to look older. Anyone? Come on, nobody else cut hair off their bottom and stuck it under their armpits. <laughs> not one person. Carry it on, was Greg. off your bottom? Yes. I know, it's bizarre. I was the only boy in school with a hairy bottom and no hair under my arms. <laughs> Go on, carry on with your story. I wrote a letter to Jim Will Fix It saying, Dear Jim, can I drive a tank? Right? Which I think is perfectly reasonable what, for a young... Into Russia? Was this 1979? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to be part of the Afghanistan push. Oh, that's what I meant, right. yeah. <laughs> I said, can I write a tank? My mum came in and said, Oh, you, you can't send that in. Everybody sends letters in asking Jim if they can go in a tank. You need something uh, really different and unusual for Jim to notice you. So I, a 13-year-old boy, wrote to Jim Will Fix It to ask if I could go up some really big steps in a library. <laughs> Can you imagine what he must have thought? He must have thought, this is the most tedious child in Britain. I'm going to have this framed. Can you imagine if that had made it to the programme? <laughs> just would have been the laughing stock of the entire country. They would have shown it every single episode. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lovely show. Now, look at this turd. Remember him? From <laughs> <that time? laughs> oh, there's a chap down the front. Let, hey, let me run down there and talk to you, sir. Hang on. What's your name, my friend? Dan. Dan. And what is your story, Dan? Uh, I wet myself at a school trip at the theatre in Midsummer Night's Dream. Midsummer Night's Wet Dream? <laughs> <laughs> well, go on, tell us more. Is there more? Uh, well, the, I blame it on my mum because she said um, we went to the theatre when I was a kid, and she's, uh, whenever I'd ask to go to the toilet, she'd say you had to wait to the interval. And halfway through the first half, I was busting, and then I just thought I have to go um, <laughs> and, and, went, and wet myself about five minutes before the interval. So I probably could have just hung on, uh, but the worst bit I was age fifteen. <laughs> There's the kicker. There's the kicker. Were, were, you, uh, were you enjoying the performance, or was it more of a sort of dirty protest? <laughs> it's not a very dirty protest, just a wee in your own pants. <laughs> well, it's, it's the... Of all the dirty protests, I reckon it's number two, ironically. <laughs> See, I told you, an embarrassing confession shade is so much funnier. Right, I think it's time for a guest. Tonight's special comedy guest is Wilson Dixon. Hey, good folks. It's nice to be here. Thanks, Rod. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's nice to be here in uh, England. Or, uh, as we say in America, where? <laughs> it's nice to be here, though. Uh, I've just been kind of hanging around a bit, doing a few kind of... Uh, Touristy kind of things. I uh, got ripped off by a cab driver. I believe that's one of the things on the list to do. <laughs> and uh, went on the London Eye. Anyone been on that? Yes. Whoa, slow down. <laughs> so I'm a, a country singer, you know. And uh, when people see me, you know, uh, they go up to me. They say, you know, you're a country singer. You're a cowboy. They often say, you know, you, you could be one fifth of a village people covers band. <laughs> thing is, things never got so bad that I have to be, you know, pretend to be a guy who himself was pretending to be a cowboy back in the 70s. Well, I'm assuming he was pretending to be a cowboy. I'm assuming all those guys were pretending to be those occupations. <laughs> you know, 
construction worker, or police officer, or American Indian, or <laughs> professional leather wearer. <laughs> what did that guy do? <laughs> if they really were all those jobs, they'd be a pretty handy bunch of guys to have around. <laughs> roof blew off in the storm last night and someone stole the TV and there's buffalo loose in the backyard <laughs> and I got a brand new pair of leather pants and he's breaking in <laughs> what the hell am I gonna do <laughs> call the village people man <laughs> the stereotype of the American country singer is of a racist redneck gay hating redneck that repeats himself <laughs> truth is I'm not all of those things uh, I got nothing against gay people in fact some of my best friends don't have anything against gay people <laughs> so I'm gonna play a song for you guys uh, this song it's called More Than Words it's uh, not to be confused with the 1989 hit song More Than Words which unfortunately was More Than Words uh, it was music too but this song is kind of about, you know, what we say and what we mean and how they're kind of different things. You know, for example, there's that phrase, let's make poverty history. Does that mean let's end poverty? Or does it mean let's increase poverty to an historic level? <laughs> yeah. If a man says you're pulling my leg, chances are you're not. Although if you are... Maybe you got good reason to Maybe you're dangling him over a balcony <laughs> Or rescuing him from a swollen river Or trying to get his pants off Because they're on fire <laughs> If someone says, I'm going to teach you a lesson It's unusual for what follows to be an educational opportunity Someone says it's all Greek to me. It just means they're confused. Unless they're in Greece. In which case, it's just an observation. Although, be sure to check that they're also not confused. And they will be if they can't speak Greek. Those wahoos were in Greek, by the way. <laughs> if a cop says stop right there and reach for the sky, he's not encouraging you to achieve your goals. <laughs> if a man greets you and says put it there, He's meaning your hand. <laughs> if a woman says it's on the tip of my tongue, it probably isn't. It's unusual to keep anything there. If a lady says she's head over heels in love with you, don't believe her. Knowing that flexible will stay with you for long. Someone says, you're getting on my goat. 
Don't look around for their goat. If a man says he's going to take a shit, it's more than likely he's going to leave it there. If someone says, don't take my advice, that's advice. So take their advice <laughs> and make sure it's the only advice that you're taking. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's, uh, it's nice to see so many country fans. Uh, I'm from a little town called Cripple Creek in Colorado. <laughs> what are you being a Cripple Creek? <laughs> it's a nice part of the world. Uh, we've got a tourist attraction near. It's called the big tree. It's a pretty big tree. We've got another tourist attraction right next to the big tree. It's, uh, it's called the little tree. It's a little bit bigger than the big tree. We named it quite a long time ago before it had fully grown. It's a talking point, as I've just evidenced. I think I've got time to play one more song for you guys. Uh, I like to play morbid country music, you know, often it's better in small doses. <laughs> this last song I'm going to play for you is off uh, my third album, an album of love songs entitled I Love You But Also Want to Hurt You. <laughs> this song, it's kind of a, it's about my ex-wife Maureen. I wrote this song, and it's kind of about moving on. It's about the past and the future, you know. I'm sure it's going to resonate with most of you. You know, we've all experienced the past to some degree. <laughs> so this song's called, I Used to Be Nostalgic in the Good Old Days. <laughs> Back in the good old days, things were easy. There were only a couple of channels on TV. Life was simple, home on the range No one had heard of climate change Back in the good old days there was mystery There wasn't as much history A hoe was something you dug in the ground A pole dance was Polish people moving around In the good old days the Russians weren't rich a spade was a spade and a diggy would ditch. <laughs> Appliances only had an on-off switch. If something went wrong, you could blame it on a witch. <laughs> In the good old days, there was no penicillin. Nature sorted out the weak from the willing. <laughs> Sandwiches only had one or two fillings. Back in the good old days. <laughs> Back in the good old days, dogs would sit. If you couldn't read, it didn't mean you were thick. People made fire by rubbing two sticks. Mustaches weren't ironic. <laughs> Things ain't what they were. Thanks, folks. I've been Wilson Dixon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ladies and one more time, Wilson Dixon.
Time now to go back to my bulging barrel of laughs. Mr Lloyd Langford, would you be so kind and bold as to reach inside and pull something out for us? <laughs> what have you got? That's got a number one on it, which tells me that our next... Oh, our next little thing, as it were, is Rod's Rant Club, ladies and gentlemen. Are you excited? It is. It's Rod's Rant Club, and the first rule of Rant Club is... <sighs> Don't talk about Rant Club. In these days where everyone's as stressed out as a man in a wig trying to hold down a job on a helipad, Britain needs a place where her downtrodden people can put the world to rights. A place where we can whinge, free from the tyranny of optimists. A place where we can moan without fear of the glass-half-full brigade. A place where stiff upper lip is a dirty phrase. Well, this place is it. Rant Club is Britain's first purpose-built whinging forum since Manchester. Tonight, the stone in the flip-flop of our happiness is... Shopping. <laughs> we, uh, I should point out for the people listening at home, that we, we have uh, canvassed our, our live studio audience here on the way in, and we've also uh, asked people on the internet and on Facebook and various networking sites for their, uh, their gripes and moans about shopping, and I have some of yours here. We've got some interesting characters in tonight, haven't we? Where's David from Finchley? There you are, somewhere. Thank you, sir. That's probably enough from you. <laughs> We put on our form, tell us something that annoys you about shopping. Everyone else in the shop that gets in the way! (laughs) Where do you shop? On the internet. (laughs) (laughs) On the internet, it's literally everybody else in the virtual world. (laughs) Gets on your nerves. We've got a very different character here. Is it James from Broccoli? Is that right? And then they put brackets, zone two. <laughs> that is handy. It only costs £4.50 to go and see him. <laughs> Why have you put zone... Where, where is James from Broccoli? Up here. Why have you put zone two on there? Because no one knows bloody it. Welcome to Rant Club, James. You're just the kind of sort we're looking for. You've put... I tell you what, how old are you? You're a 25-year-old male who lives in Zone 2. Do you know what? I had you down as a, a lady in your 70s from Kent. <laughs> now listen to this. this. Does this sound like a 25-year-old male who lives in Zone 2? Tell us something that annoys you about shopping. That everything is now metric. <laughs> it gets worse. 25-year-old male, zone two, that everything's metric. Yes, I am old school, and I cannot be bothered to rebuy my Delia books. <laughs> Do you really have Delia books and you can't be bothered to redo them all? Yes. Really? But surely you were raised learning in metric. Yeah. So have you gone back and relearned an old system? For example, you call yourself 25, not two score and one or whatever it is. And... <laughs> That's not even right. Not a baker's dozen plus a dozen, for example. Uh, It's uh, nine florins as well on the tube to get to zone two. (laughs) Uh, Ellen from Fulham. Uh, Tell us something that annoys you about shopping. Being stuck in a queue for self-checkout behind someone trying to scan an orange. (laughs) Specifically an orange. Specifically an orange. (laughs) 
yeah. what annoys you about shopping, Lloyd? I really hate it when I'm in the supermarket and um, I need to use the uh, plastic bags and I ask the checkout girl, can I have some plastic carrier bags? And she looks at me as if I've just asked to swipe my genitals <laughs> over the scanner. I, I've forgotten my Hessian reusable bag and there's only so many Hessian reusable bags I can buy. My kitchen is starting to look like a craft fair. <laughs> the only thing I'm reusing these Hessian bags for is putting plastic bags into. That's a very good point. What annoys you about shopping, Greg? I've got a simple statement to make. Go on. That shops who offer you an escalator to get upstairs, but just stairs to get down, <laughs> should be ceased from trading. <laughs> Popular, it's popular around I've got, um, I've got one. This is from uh, Rod's Book of Rants. <laughs> this happened to me literally last week. I was in a supermarket and this is the... I, was, I wanted one jacket potato, right? Let's not look into why. It doesn't make me a loser, right? I wanted one jacket potato. The supermarket I was in sold them in packs of two. I called the manager... I said, I just want one jacket potato. She said, they only come in packs of two. I said, no, they don't. You did that. <laughs> she said, I'm sorry. I said, you did that. Potatoes come in ones. It's one potato, two potato, three potato, four. <laughs> Not two potato, four potato, six potato, eight. Remember? <laughs> I said, I want one potato. I live on my own. She said, you could have the other one tomorrow. I said, I don't want the other one tomorrow. I'm going away tomorrow. She said, you could, <laughs> she said, you could take it with you. I said, I'm going to America. That's where they came from in the first place. <laughs> Do explain that I'm bringing their potatoes back one by one. It's not going to happen. I said I'm going to split the pack. She said you'll be arrested. I said I'm charged with what? Separating potatoes? <laughs> Bring it on with a good lawyer. I'll be out in six. She said, can't you give it to somebody? I said, what? She said, can't you give the other potato to someone? I said, oh yes. Why not? I'll just knock on someone's door tonight with a potato, shall I? And say, I saw this and thought of you. <laughs> I'll wait by the potatoes until some other loser comes along who's having one jacket potato for his tea. I'm not doing that again. Last week I stood in the vegetable aisle for seven hours with a packet of peppers. You try shifting a yellow one at half past three in the morning. She said, she said, well, our customer surveys show people like them like this. I said, what? Package like this, a styrofoam tray, a label on each potato saying potato, a cellophane wrapping around the potato on the tray, and another label on the cellophane wrapping saying pack contains two potatoes. <laughs> People want that, do they? She said, the cellophane stops the potatoes rolling off the tray. I said, but I don't need the tray in the first place. You can't, you can't justify the cellophane with something else we don't need. I wouldn't need the cellophane if you hadn't balanced them on a tray. You might as well gaffer tape them to the underside of a cow and then wax lyrical about how essential the gaffer tape is. She said, the tray keeps them upright. I said, keeps them upright? What were people bringing back upside-down potatoes? And saying, I bet you were overrun with complaints about the switchboard was jammed with people scratching their heads going, well, it was the right way round when I bought it. I can't eat this now, and these peas are all the wrong way round as well. <laughs> Darling, what should we do with this carrot? There was a this way sign on it earlier, but it's come off. <laughs> oh, chuck it in the back of the cupboard, we'll use it for cooking. She said, you don't understand, sir, the tray protects the potatoes. I said, what do you mean it protects the potatoes from what? Are there people out there who want to harm my potatoes? <laughs> I'm not making myself a target bringing this potato into my house. She said, I didn't mean like that, there's no one trying to harm them. I said, it's a self-harming potato now, is it? <laughs> You can keep it, I don't want a potato with low self-esteem. Is that why there's two of them in there? To stop one of them doing something stupid? <laughs> she said it protects them from getting damaged on the way home. I said, I only live down the road. When they came from America, the conditions were terrible. This is two miles 
two miles in a Ford Focus with leather seats, a CD player, armrests, air conditioning. This is probably the best ten minutes of their ruddy lives. These, these potatoes are effectively being chauffeured home. I don't need all this rubbish. I'm not trying to beat the world landfill record. I don't need a styrofoam tray to keep my potatoes upright because I've got hands. And if I didn't have hands, I wouldn't be able to carry a styrofoam tray any more than I would a potato. I don't need a label telling me this is a potato because I can see it's a potato. And I don't need a label on the potato any more than John Terry needs a label on his forehead saying Bellend. second label telling me there are two of them in the pack because I can see that as well and if I couldn't see there were two of them in there then telling me with a label that there were two of them in there wouldn't really help even if it's for people who can't count the number of potatoes in the pack then if you can't count the two then telling people there's two in there isn't going to help much either is it and that's exactly the problem that's my point that's exactly what annoys me there are two potatoes in this pack shouting about it on a label is just rubbing salt in the wound I live on my own I want a single unpacked unprotected label free cellophane free upside down if need be potato (laughs) while you're at it I'll have half a grape Fruit. <laughs> Lloyd, would you uh, would you reach into the barrel again and uh, and pull out something, please? <laughs> Number five, which is Rod's. Believe it or not. <laughs> It's Rod's Believe It or Not, where I amaze and astound the world with a fact that will quite literally blow your brain to smithereens, leaving you a mindless shell of a human being, literally an emotional and psychological husk like Jeremy Kyle. (laughs) Audience, are you ready to have your brain scrambled? Yeah! Animals like whales and gorillas can be trained to paint as well as a four-year-old child. Oh, consider yourselves kyled. Anybody want to ask me a question first about the painting whale? Where the hell do they get a paintbrush big enough? What do you mean a paintbrush big enough? I know whales are really big, but you can, they, they use normal paintbrushes, is the truth of it. How do they hold them? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. The, the whale I'm talking about is a beluga whale. And the reason it's a beluga whale is that they have fleshier mouths than other whales and that allows them to sort of put the paintbrush in without damaging and then to paint with their mouths. And it's a fairly normal-sized paintbrush. There's no market. There's not a great big market for whale paintbrushes. (laughs) Greg's tried it. He opened a shop in Newbury. (laughs) Oh, somebody's got their hand up on it. Yes. Uh, How do we know they intended to paint? How do we know they intended to paint? It was their conscious decision to paint. Well, if you give them... They sign them all saying, I consciously decided to paint this. If you gave a a, a whale a paintbrush and he did a picture, we're not going to argue with him, you? (laughs) You just say, I I realise what you're saying, but that that, that is an interesting question about whether whether we can determine whether he was consciously painting. But that is the thing, that, that experts, you know, like zoologists and people with PhDs and things, right... Have, have basically determined that, yes, they, they do know their, their painting. And it's the same... Go on, there's a question from down the front here. Do they have waterproof paints and paper? No, they get out of the pool to do it, I think. <laughs> oh, do they? Put yeah. a little French smock sitting on a stool. <laughs> it's absolute problem. No, it's not. I think what it is, the whale thinks that the paintbrush is a really hairy baby seal and it's just trying to kill it. <laughs> it's not in the process of doing a lovely landscape. <laughs> Do you know how... Basically, what happened was, they, it was initially... This is how they found out, is that he... First of all, he showed a lot of... It's, I'll, I'll read you some quotes. He showed a lot of interest in painting right from the start, it says. Basically, it says all they have to do now 
because he's so interested, is that all I have to do is give him the brushes and hold the paper and he paints with his mouth. Right? And do you know how he started? Basically, there was uh, somebody, Zhao Qiang, his name is. <laughs> I thought they normally called whales something easier and cuter to remember. Not in China, that is easy and cute to remember. What does it mean in Chinese? Any Chinese people here? <laughs> Shen can't prove that. Basically, somebody, a visitor, left a, a paintbrush behind and he started painting with it. A visitor left a paintbrush behind? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was a... I don't know why they left a paintbrush behind, they just did, and he just, got, he just he started using it. This comes back to your question. I didn't want to hit you with the big guns yet, but I, seeing as you've asked these questions and you, you're being cynical, you know you said about how we know whether they've actually deliberately, consciously decided to paint, is that other animals have told us. <laughs> it's absolutely... T- Right, there's gorillas who know sign language, right? Everybody, you know the gorillas that, like Coco. Have you heard of Coco, the gorilla? He's very, he's, yes, have you? Right, you listening? People have heard of Coco, didn't make it up. Uh, Coco the gorilla, he, he, he does sign language and stuff, and people have asked him... Uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> this is godless. People have asked him, did that wheel people... mean to do that? <laughs> and he said... I'll say whatever you want me to, as long as you give me another banana. <laughs> no. <laughs> and anyway, it's not just him. There's other chimpanzees that... You can teach gorillas that are gorillas and chimpanzees in the world that do sign language. Coco is just the best. Because <laughs> he's got a thousand words in his vocabulary now, right? And from Coco's cage, you can see the whale pen, right? <laughs> it's a really badly designed suit. No! You're not, you're not listening! Coco, right? This is, it, Coco doesn't know the whale. Forget about it. There's no link. I'm just Who trying... Who told Coco about the whale, then? <laughs> it was a minor bird or something, I suppose, was it? Hey, Coco! <laughs> Never believe what I've just seen. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, apropos of... Well, apropos of the fact that you brought up birds, I will tell you another fact that will blow your brains. Then we'll move on from it, because I haven't got time to go into it. But a raven, if you look somewhere, a raven will follow and look where you're looking. All oh, right. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. That is absolutely and true. And I know a cat that meows and drinks milk as well. <laughs> That's amazing. If you that a bird looks at you. No, no. If you look, like if you look over, the... if you like, oh, what's that over there? A raven will look where you're looking. What happens if there's two of you in the room both looking in different directions? <laughs> Let's get back to the serious point about Coco and the painting whale. My point is that Coco is a gorilla. We've heard of him, haven't you? The audience. Some people have heard of him. He's a gorilla that signs sign language. He paints and. <laughs> People have asked him, his owners, his trainers and things, have asked him what he's painting. And he has signed the thing that he's painting, which kind of, you know, proves that they know what they're painting and they enjoy their own paint. And Chimpanzees, this proves, this, but this goes some way to prove your point about whether the animal consciously knows. A chimpanzee, if you take away the stuff he's using to paint, he'll, he'll go mad and really get really angry. That's true, yeah. that's been proved. And if you take away a chewed up rubber ball, he goes mental as well, interestingly. <laughs> Same with a lion, if it's eating a dead zebra and you try and take the zebra away. They don't like that. No. They don't like that. I've seen it on the TV. All I will say is, just one final thing, is that basically Beluga's paintings, interestingly, don't get any better. However long a a whale has been painting for, it'll always be the painted... Yeah. It always looks like someone's rammed a paintbrush in a whale's (laughs) mouth and then ran at it with a canvas. Weird, (laughs) isn't it? The point is, my point, the final point was going to be that whale paintings never improve, right? But chimpanzees, they improve and develop over time just like a human would. But there's one subtle difference between chimp art and human art. 
Chimpanzees continue to develop complexity in their art, as do those of the human child. But the end point is different, it says here. Most chimpanzees stop developing their drawings at a point when the artwork looks rather formless to us. <laughs> Whereas the human child goes on to make easily recognisable representations. That's, that's always been my problem with chimps, their uh, dogged fixation on the abstract period. Yeah. You never get any decent impressionist chimp paintings. <laughs> Who believes my astounding fact? <laughs> Quite a lot. <laughs> so let's move on. <laughs> All right, who doesn't believe my fact? <laughs> Genuine anger in that chair. <laughs> and Rod's Believe It or Not will be back to whack your brain into space next week. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time to welcome the delightful Sarah Millican! Hello. Uh, my job here is uh, to sort of redress the balance, because I don't know if you've noticed, but it's an awful lot of men in the show. Uh, so I'm here to sort of redress the gender balance. Uh, think of me as sort of the Febreze in a shoe cupboard. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to talk about the six ages of women. I know there were seven ages of men, according to Shakespeare, but, you know, women just get things done quicker. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about the first one. The first one is child performer. Now, give us a cheer if you were a child performer. <laughs> I don't even need that much attention now. They must have worn off, mustn't it? <laughs> I was a performer at home, not particularly at school, but at home. Basically, whenever there was tiles or lino, I was tap dancing. <laughs> It's not really an attractive thing at all and clearly didn't work out very well because I'm not massively thin or talented. Um, <laughs> tap dancers are always thin, aren't they? Tiny and, and ginger. It's just one. Bonnie Langford. Uh, nobody else knows any more. And there shouldn't be any more, should there? Because it's, it's a rubbish talent. <laughs> so, thankfully, that was knocked on the head. Um, but I did... I used to make up stupid poems and, uh, and I used to want to perform them but was always really nervous of performing them. So uh, I used to perform them from behind a curtain. And if I did a good job, my mum would give us a banana. <laughs> and then it came round to when I learnt about the birds and the bees, and my mum said, how do you want us to tell you? And I said, can I go behind the curtain? <laughs> Which felt fair enough, but then it felt really wrong when I came out and she gave me a banana. <laughs> like, was I supposed to get cracking straight away or what? <laughs> Come Halloween time... When my sister was too old, my older sister was too old to sort of take me round. She refused to do it anymore. And I didn't have any friends that could take me round. So my mum said that I could just trick or treat at our house. <laughs> so I used to go out the back door and walk round the block with a shawl on with some fake blood from Strand. I knock on the door. My mum would leave it a few minutes, you know... And I did panic in case she wasn't going to come. <laughs> and then she'd open the door and she'd say hello and, and I'd say trick or treat and she'd say trick and I'd tell her a couple of jokes. Uh, not mine, obviously, out of the Ha Ha Bonk book by Janet and Alan Alberg. <laughs> and then she'd give me a mini Milky Way and I'd go in the house. Aww. I thought that was funny, but it's just quite sad, isn't it? <laughs> I'm on the verge of tears. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm going to be fine. 
when I was in PE, I was always the last to be picked. Uh, there was one time during netball uh, where the girls who were picking the teams decided that they would rather be one person down than have me on the team. <laughs> it's just a fact. I'm living with it. It's the least you can do. But there was one time when it wasn't just the two most popular girls who got to pick the teams in netball. The teacher saw what was going on and that some people were being left out and she said, you, me, can pick the team. Now, I could have picked a team that would have gone on to win and it would have been a really good team plus me, but no, I picked everybody who had glasses, uh, wonky eyes, club feet. It was like the cantina scene out of Star Wars. And of course we got slaughtered, we absolutely got slaughtered, but for a lot of those people it was the first time they'd ever held the netball <laughs> when they weren't putting it in a cupboard. <laughs> to be honest, I think that's why we lost, because every time they held the ball they kept going to the cupboard. <laughs> if the cupboard had been a goal we probably would have won 8-0. <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> Lloyd, would you like to reach into my barrel and pluck out something again, please? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's time for my indecent proposals, ladies and gentlemen. Would you pay £100 for the chance to steal £300? Would you saw the tusks off an elephant for a blue vinyl edition of Ebony and Ivory? <laughs> I'm convinced that every man has his price. But we're going to put that theory to the test in my indecent proposals. Would you cheat with a friend's partner for money? That's my first indecent proposal. How, how much money? Say, uh, 100 quid. 400 quid. I'll start the ball rolling. All right. I'm also friends with Lloyd's girlfriend, and uh, behind her back, I would sleep with Lloyd for a pound. <laughs> Has anybody got a pound? I'll be a great end to the show. <laughs> Certainly would. Well, Scouting old... for Girls is going to be the end of the show, so it's going to be rather odd bringing them on while you two are hard at it on the stage. Try and ignore. Try and ignore Greg and Lloyd having sex on the Now scouting for girls with She's So Lovely. But if she's not around, he'll do. Would you... All right, £1,000. Would you cheat on a friend's partner? So that would be my partner or something. Would you cheat on a friend's partner for £1,000, Lloyd? No. Hang on, let's be serious about it. £50,000. Um... <laughs> does he know about it? Oh, well, he does um... now, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was here when the deal was struck. In what? fact, I kind of suggested it. What if I donate half of it to charity? <laughs> Which charity? Friends who've been turned over by their mates? Some so, sort of uh, wheel painting. Thing. <laughs> Can we keep me out of this? Would you cheat with a... And in the audience, hands up, who would cheat with a friend's partner for, let's say, a thousand quid? <laughs> Calm down. Who was that? Who said that? Where are you? What's your name? Genevieve. Genevieve? Are you skint, Genevieve? <laughs> this is what I find interesting, though. I want to know how low Genevieve would go. <laughs> what, in terms of money? Yes. 
I don't want to limbo while she's getting <laughs> off. With... Um, so, would you get off with a friend's partner for nine hundred pounds? Yeah. Eight fifty. <laughs> would you do it for a hundred pounds? Yeah. Would you do it if there wasn't any money involved in this at all? How about, how about a Toblerone? <laughs> are, you, are you here with friends, Genevieve? Family. Family? What? <laughs> Genevieve, what, have you cheated on a friend's partner before? No. They haven't offered me any money. They haven't offered me any money? <laughs> She's got stingy friends, fair enough. <laughs> you just can't pick your friends, can you? Right. Ladies and gentlemen, here to play us out tonight, Scouting for Girls, and she's so lovely! Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Scouting for Girls! She's so lovely! You've also heard Greg Davis, Lloyd Langford, Sarah Millican, Wilson Dixon, I've been Rod Gilbert. Thank you very, very much. Good night! Rod Gilbert's bulging barrel of laps starred Rod Gilbert, Greg Davis, Lloyd and Sarah Millican with guest Wilson Dixon and Scouting for Girls. It was written by Rod Gilbert, Lloyd Langford and Greg Davis. The producers were Julia McKenzie and Leanne